Hey guys, it's Ellie with Atomic Moms. I'm sitting in my car right now because it's quiet in here and I'm recording this intro on my phone, which is ridiculous, but I think a very mom thing to do. Today's episode is with my dear friend, Bridget Maloney Sinclair. She has her master's in clinical psychology. She's also a commercial actress. Uh, Check out her photo on her Facebook page and Twitter because she has the most familiar face in America. She's done every commercial ever. She has an adorable little girl. And today she talks with us about concept of self, about grandparents moving down the street, long labor, uh, walking up a girl. The list goes on and on. It's a really, really fun episode. Uh, Bianca and I can't wait to share it with you. Stay tuned. Hey guys, it's Ellie and Bianca with Atomic Moms. Hi. Um, we're in my home right now, which We've is been, really nice. You've recorded something here, but I haven't recorded. I recorded here an yet. ad here. Yeah. Um, but that's it. And it's Friday, which means that the recycling guys and the trash guys and like the landscape. So it's like the trucks go up and down the street constantly. And it makes me feel like we're in New York City. It's very exciting. Listen, we've had worse. Yeah. At your house, we had like birds. It was (laughs) terrible. I have trash men and you have birds. (laughs) Birds and my daughter crying. We had that time in the studio with Mike where Magnolia was all over the place. So hey. It's good. Well, I'm excited because we have uh, a really incredible guest today. Bridget Maloney Sinclair is here with us. She's a renaissance woman. Her resume has everything under the sun. She's basically an expert at everything. She just shook her head and got (laughs) upset with me for saying that. She has a master's in clinical psychology with an emphasis in with couples and family. Um, She's a former Bon Appetit blogger. I still look those up. I don't actually cook anything, but I like reading about Bridget's escapades. And she's in every commercial ever. Like if you turn on TV, you will see her face a hundred times. She's uh, like this year, she did Wells Fargo, Special K and uh, Similac. She just was in a commercial with her daughter who's 14 months old too. Um, and we're super excited to have her here. Yay! Thanks for having me. Okay, Miss Bridget, mm-hmm. let's start with some psychology stuff since you're an expert. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I mean, I'm a provisional expert. I wanted to talk about, I listened to your podcast with Jen, where you guys were talking about the life changing magic of tidying up. Oh, yeah. Which, when my husband saw the book at my house, was like our house, we live together. I <laughs> said, What is this? The life. Changing magic of tidying up. And it's like, really? Do you not see where the colon is? It's the life-changing magic of tidying up. Um, so uh, so I, I did it. I did the purge, as Jen referred to it. And I like really had a funny thing with my self-concept because, and Marie Kondo writes about this too, what was left over, like what I actually wear, what actually sparks joy is not how I think of myself. Really? Yes. Isn't this good? I just got tingles. (laughs) So like what kind of stuff was Um, was left over? Like um, 
my few Eileen Fisher pieces. <laughs> well, see, but I knew that about you. And, well, Bridget I didn't, has I a didn't real know love about me. for Eileen Fisher. I do. I just feel like I'm 31. It's too early for me to be really. <laughs> but I mean, the therapists love Eileen Fisher too, which has been written about. But I, a lot of Eileen Fisher and then a lot of like what I think of as like Pinterest suburban mom, like 17 striped shirts and jeans. And, and Claire like, Coffey has a ton of striped shirts too. She sent true. me a, after she did the Marie Kondo thing, she sent me a photo of all of her striped shirts. Anyway, why, yeah. why are the striped sh- shirts? Oh my gosh, striped shirts. <laughs> it is hard to say. Why are the striped shirts? The thi- I have a whole section too. It's been a while. Now it's, I think, reached critical mass, but they've been around by right? like the French girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. they look better than the like plain old navy I'm wearing. It elevates the t-shirt. Yeah, that's true. But it I, makes you feel more dressed up. It does. It seems more deliberate, I think. So it's that's like so a interesting. tuxedo t-shirt <laughs> so for women. Totally, yeah. For the French Riviera. Yeah. I just felt, yeah, it's like an aspirational t-shirt. My clothes, I think, say that I'm like uh, older and more conservative and less than fashion-y your, than your bangs would say <laughs> my bangs suggest then i feel in my heart i well, should say well you know this brings up a really interesting thing that i've actually been thinking about lately because you know uh i've been having to do all these interviews for undateable and watch it tuesday nights at yeah, 9 p.m <laughs> please <laughs> ellie, ellie does it by rote now um but um so, you know, you get asked questions in interviews all the time, and I've noticed that, like, sometimes my answers change. Uh. And I was in the car driving, pondering life is the only time that I ever have to myself anymore. So I was thinking about this this weird thing where it's like, I'm like, why do my answers always have to be the same? Why do I – I don't think the same thing every day. I, mm-hmm. I've – some days I'll feel some way about something, and the next day I feel a different way. And – I started talking with one of my little spiritual teachers about it. And, you know, we were talking about this concept of our stuff, that we are identified by our stuff, our cars, our clothes, the things in our house. You know, I mean, like, Ellie, when you look around your house at your stuff, like, what kind of person do you see this house to be? Oh. Like, when you you think of the style of your house. I think I would say feminine whimsical Mm -hmm. slightly romantic with a leaning of like super old school americana like 1940s we have this cool old hoosier cabinet that i got off craigslist and we refurbished and then i have a bunch of like really cool old um you know what it kind of looks like it's sort of like someone raided the Titanic <laughs> and then <laughs> no, I was with you until that. Okay. No, I think, yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think she nailed it. Yeah, you really <laughs> like, did. Like, I love yeah. computer. I thought a lot about it. I like, yeah. things, like I love like, old antique I'd say that it's sort of like bohemian grandma chic. It's all, it's a beautiful house. It I is a beautiful add. house. And and I, I do think you nailed it, I, but it's very specific. But, but that's the thing. It's like our stuff. Like, don't you feel uncomfortable when you have to deal with something that doesn't feel like you, you know? Absolutely, yeah. And and it's weird because it's like, then we kind of get boxed into this idea of who we are. And I think it's so interesting that like you took away everything that didn't bring you joy and suddenly you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. (laughs) This this doesn't feel like me. And it's, but it's accepting that. Because I think, Uh I mean, I think the point that Jen was making and Marie Kondo makes, if I may speak for her, is that it's being able to look at who you are realistically and what kind of life you want to have or you really are having, not pretending Mm -hmm. to or aspiring to or... Or just being okay with things that 
I mean, for you, it's like crazy that that stuff is the stuff that brings you joy. Maybe for somebody else who is uh, looking at stuff that they don't, that doesn't quite feel like them is maybe expanding this notion mm-hmm. of what you might be yes. that you don't have to just be the romantic 1940s uh what were the other words yeah. you used well see there i think i because i have such a um a crazy description of my home let's say i'm very expansive in my sense of yeah self, i actually right? say yeah you because i like I, I i'm cool with owning like i've got this great a map of america <laughs> yeah. um that I found in a barn in northern Michigan that's so colorful and cool. And I've got these Reader's Digest from the 1930s. Yeah, they're neat. Um, and they're these, like, fun pastel colors. Yeah. And I found those at our family cottage. And and so I feel like my issue is that I'm so eclectic yeah. that it's it's harder for me to focus on, like, what is the one thing. Yeah, but you don't need to, right? Well, Sorry to interrupt not, you. And not yeah. only that, but I also think that, like it's very you. I mean, that's that's what's weird is like we always hear these things when you know somebody says like that's so you. And, oh yeah. And so there's clearly this vibe that we emanate that people grab onto and they get it. You know. So it's like I walk in this house. There's no question in my mind. You live here. Right? <laughs> um, you but, know. There's always that's a funny thing. Also, like with your spouse, right? Like you have to choose things. Like I know I knew that I had to do some like heavy dark wood stuff because that's what he likes. And so it's yeah. sort of like trying to create a home based on both, both of, of you. you. So moving forward now, Bridget, with yes. your with your closet mm-hmm. and do you do you find yourself looking at different things now? Sure. Well, I think I just have given myself permission. Like the other big one and this is like a real high class problem, but I have long resisted my love of anthropology because it feels really silly to me and like whimsical to the to the max. And like the catalog is ridiculous. I I acknowledge all of that, and like I don't wear ruffles, and like, they still are really working this. But like some of the best dresses I own are from there. And when I went through my closet and realized, like, oh, I've worn this a lot, or like I've worn this to every bridal shower I've ever attended, mm-hmm. I thought you know, maybe I should just go in there more willingly instead of pretending like I don't want to go in there. So I have been doing it that. But it's also like I I breastfed for 13 months, so that really affected my wardrobe for a long time. It's nuts, right? I'm still breastfeeding. Magnolia is um, almost 11 months. And um, it's like I forget every once in a blue moon I'll put something on and I go out. almost 11 months. I'm sorry. Just 13 months. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Clearly. It's really good Ellie's here See? keeping track of it. <laughs> it's only because her birthday's like a week after or like within a few days of mine. Yeah. It's the only way I can keep track. Oh my god, almost 13 months. Yeah. Well, I and I don't know what math just happened in my brain, but it was not good, clearly. <laughs> You're still um, nursing. No, but like I'll go out every once in a while and something and I'm with her and it's like imp- I yeah. can't get my boob out. It's impossible. Yeah. Like, yeah. What was I thinking? It's yeah, and like I didn't wear any sort of t-shirt dress forever. Right, you yeah. yeah. You have to hike it up over your yeah. It's like that's certainly not going to happen. Yeah, in pu- in public, right? <laughs> even in pseudo private. But then, so then, like those things felt weird to put back on, even after I was back at a weight where I could wear them. So it sort of just changed my whole. Style. How, how has being a mom affected other than that? Uh, you know, I mean, I find like 
I'm a little more, it's weird, I'm a little more comfortable wearing kind of quote-unquote mom outfits. Oh, yeah, there's a reason they exist. This yeah. is the other thing I was <laughs> saying to my own mother, um, who's like, was the early Eileen Fisher adapter, uh, adopter, but I, and like big linen, lots of shifts, but I realize like, not that I was judging certain outfits or styles, but being like, it's interesting that all women of a certain age, even if they are toned, wear one pieces. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, no, now I I understand yeah. why. Like there are changes that are best, I don't want to say dealt with because that sounds negative, but like there's a reason why mm-hmm. yoga pants are such a cliche because like it's really easy to crawl after a toddler or and, like everything can spill on them and you can't really yeah, see and they what go they, in the they wash. pull everything in yeah. and you pretend like you're going to work out eventually. <laughs> well, yeah. It's, or you're like, well, I wore my workout clothes all so day. Yes. Or you go out and you think people will at least think that you work out. Yeah. yeah. Wow, like, she oh, must have made it to yoga already. Exactly. Because yeah, her, hair, her hair is so greasy. <laughs> Clearly she must have yeah. already gone to hot yoga. That was, I, used to, I lived in New York but only for three years. Years, and I would change out of my yoga clothes. I would walk to the yoga studio, put on yoga clothes, and then change. Like, I wouldn't walk around the city in them. And you would not no. in yoga. And I mean, that's like, who cares? But I cared. LA, is that LA culture that's, that where I you're suddenly so. okay with but it? But maybe it's just changed because I haven't lived there since 2008. So maybe everyone's wearing their yoga pants now. Or maybe you've just given up. Well, that's <laughs> true in some regards, for sure. Because you also had a blog, Yipster. Which yeah, is like, I have a Tumblr that I rarely update. But everyone days. should go look at it because it's great. What is it? Explain it. It was my friend Tesla Lynn Chu's a terrific writer. We It was our joke. The, the joke tagline, although now this is kind of outdated, was it's for people who compost with Nylon Magazine. That was like what? So it was oh like, God. you know, it was like hipster, yuppie-fied. Because we both were looking at houses. We'd both just gotten married and sort of, again, with the self-concept, like reconciling the fact that like we have sort of suburban longings with a with a you know uh-huh. different attitude but yeah. that's who doesn't it turns out in this okay. sector of the internet and speaking of uh suburban longings yeah your parents have recently oh, yeah. moved a couple blocks away yeah from my you. parents are two streets away from Wait, us and, and where do they move from they moved from newport beach i grew up in la i grew up in the valley and then i went to college um at northwestern in illinois and they moved to orange county to be closer to my grandparents who, to sort of help out and they were retired my parents were retired and then my parents decided to move back up to la when i was pregnant so they made the decision, but then they didn't actually do it for almost a year and a half. So they now live Too really long. close. And was this discussed with you before it happened? Yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> and it was my, so it was the morning of my 30th birthday and we had, or That's the day hope. after, I guess, my 30th birthday. And we woke up, I was pregnant and, but we had all these leftovers and my husband was like, I'm going to have a breakfast cocktail. Like we're celebrating, even though I couldn't. And then my parents asked us and Dan was feeling really expansive and was like, yeah, this is going to be great with the baby. And I was like, I think we need to slow it down just for a second. Um, but they did ask us. And it's been overall really great. Um, but there have definitely been challenges to oh. having them so close. Can you say a couple without getting in trouble? Oh, yeah. They don't, they don't even need to know about this podcast. Um, <laughs> no, they do, but they know about it. They know where I am. So part of it is like <laughs> I went for years of being an adult person in the world to having my parents who yeah. still very much feel like 
I'm their child because I am um, <laughs> being like my mom will sometimes last minute babysit because you get commercial auditions really last minute. I'll say, okay, so I have this thing at two and my mom will come to watch the baby and we'll say, where is it? And I'll say 200 South La Brea. And she's like, okay, that's the address. And is there a name of a place? And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, Why? What is this for? Is that in case because there's an emergency? there's a really big emergency. Oh my God, that's because she grew up raising kids in LA. Like well, if the big one hits, how exactly. is she going to get all, to you? Like a lot of it is earthquake preparation, yeah, which I've inherited. Cell phone. Yeah, and if there's oh no God. cell phone or if like I need uh, to, but <laughs> Sabrina's at the zoo right now. Oh God. <laughs> it's okay. That was, my husband suggested we meet in the zoo parking lot if there was ever a giant emergency and I was like I think that's a really bad idea <laughs> it's like there are wild animals oh, it's in Griffith Park oh, um, hilarious you can ask him Dan is one of the funniest men that's really on funny. the planet um I have a question uh, based on kind of that whole concept of your parents being close and now being reparenting you again. Yes. Because I've noticed this a little bit with myself. Do you find now that you have a child, though, you also understand a little bit of yeah. like, because our kids are going to grow up. I mean, my mom still says things to me and I'm, you know, almost, God, 40 years old. And 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 I think to myself, like, I've, I've gotten it this far. I made oh, it this yeah. far. Like, how does she? But you, you realize, like, once they're your babies, they're always going to be our babies, right? Sure. I mean, my parents referred to me as the baby until there were grandchildren. Oh, my God. Because I'm the youngest. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. And with your sister in Massachusetts, because mm-hmm. she also has a child. She does. They go back there a lot, though, right? Yeah. So it's like, I would imagine they're – if I were your sister, I'd be like, What? We moved down the street. From yes, my- she's she's like uh, I think she's at once really jealous, and then sometimes when I say to her like, "Oh, mom and I had another conflict over baby led weaning," she'll be like, "Oh." <laughs> You know, then I think she feels like she gets to go live it up without any supervision uh, right. in in Newton. But um, <laughs> she is envious. Like yesterday, my mom came with us to run errands and we ended up having lunch, me, the baby and my mom. And, you know, it's really that stuff's oh, really nice. fun. And it's really nice. Like we see them almost every day. And my husband and I have acknowledged sometimes we'll just walk over there so we can look at our phones because my parents <laughs> we'll will play, play with, with the baby. The baby That's and amazing. we can just so, sit there. I know. I'm so envious because after Adam's parents live – they have a crazy situation too where Adam's – Adam grew up in this house since probably like first grade or something. They, his parents still live there. Mm-hmm. Caddy Corner now are Adam's grandparents. Mm. So Adam's parents' parents are Caddy Corner. And then like five doors down now is Adam's sister and my nephew. So it's like they have yeah. – like, and then, and then the other sister lives – like five minutes away. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Just like on yeah. a Sunday afternoon, get to like go over to your yeah. parents. It's and- a traditional model that worked for a long time for obvious reasons. Well, and I also feel like when your parents are closer and feel like they can, that they have that access, I feel like it's maybe they're not as uh, pressuring to yeah. be in all the time because they're there. It's true. It dilutes it in yeah. some ways. Like that's the thing is, that, and I've said that, to my sister, and I've talked about it a lot with my husband because his parents are out of state and are actually coming in on Sunday, but they, and they stay with us. It's a different, it's less concentrated. So there's not, you know, it's yeah. e- a little easier, a little loosey-goosey. Yeah. So. 
It's funny. When On the other hand, it's nice to like pay a sitter and not have to. Right. But there's a difference between having a babysitter who you pay and the expectations are different than having a relative, you know. And, yes. And like we just get my mom occasional like bottles of Sonoma Couture because she won't <laughs> accept any right. payment oh, or gifts right. and, yeah. you know, is insulted if we offer. Right. So it's like we have to sort of thank her. We thank her a lot verbally, obviously. But <laughs> You know, in other ways, too. But that's what they live for. I mean, honestly, it's like my mom It was really funny when I finally had got pregnant. Um, a lot of my mom's friends when I went back home were like, you have no idea mm. like how badly she has been wanting this. And it was I mean, I could have probably figured that out. But my mom was so great because she never said anything to yeah. me. She never made me feel like pressured or but apparently this whole time she had been like, unloading on her girlfriend (laughs) i have to be a grandmother so interestingly enough my sister and i just got into a little um tiff a couple months ago um because my mom was coming down and we got into a huge fight about um what how much time my mom was going to be spending with us versus with her and her new husband and i was like you don't get it once you have a kid you'll understand it's it's not about us anymore like it's about the grandchild Mm -hmm. and my sister finally, like, you know, after the initial, we get, you know, the hair stand up on the back of your neck yeah. and you get all feisty. She was like, it's really hard to, to accept that this little being comes into the world. And now it's just, she's got everyone wrapped around her finger. Um, it's but it's so the truth. It's, yeah. yeah. It's what happens. <laughs> it is. No, well, when my sister, I got pregnant while my sister was still pregnant and my sister's seven years older and I was like really nervous about yeah. like I didn't want her You're to feel like I was stepping toes. on her pregnancy, yeah. which she was like, that's crazy. But also because now that age difference is negligible and we're in the same stage of life. But growing up, that's a big difference. So it always right. felt like she needed. I mean, I got married six months before she did. Oh, my God. But she eloped. So it wasn't like, you know, we. but we our lives sort of. She have, had to elope because you got married yeah she didn't want to step on my um yeah she she got married at our wedding no um (laughs) but but i felt like ooh, am i like stepping on her and the only time we and we talked about it a lot but and she assured me i wasn't but it was hard because i visited when he was six weeks old and I was like 14 weeks pregnant, but then we didn't get to see each other until after my baby was born because mm-hmm. I then was too pregnant to travel and then he was too little. So it's, it's been so, it's right. so wild. We've got my, with Adam's family, his sister, his other sister, um, Sarah's in Miami. And like when they have their next child, like it's weird, the family planning. You're kind of mm-hmm. like, well, when grandparents should all just quit their jobs so they can sort <laughs> of like hop from city to city to yeah. see the grandkids because it's you like don't, this crazy if everybody has little kids there's no you can't like pull rank because everybody yep. has a little kid so i have a question for you when your sister was pregnant yes. and then you got pregnant how much information did oh. your sister give to you about being because i like didn't want to talk to anybody about their pregnancy stories when I was pregnant. Well, did you have the bubble of peace? Like how serious? Well, no, I'll tell you, but I won't hear yours, but I had a couple experiences that just kind of blew my mind, so. She shared everything. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and I wanted to know. I mean, she was pregnant for um, like six months before I got pregnant, so she was pretty far gone. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But she was really frank, which I appreciated. And like I got almost like a real time birth story the next day, which I wanted. Um, And 
Yeah, but she was she I mean she was encouraging. She had a great pregnancy and really enjoyed being pregnant. Yeah. And um so I think that that probably helped. I might have felt differently or she might have felt differently about sharing if it hadn't been. If it hadn't yeah. as well. But this is yeah. Would this have is you, tricky. If you were first, would have you shared everything with her about I your think birth so. story? I think so. Are you do willing you think, to share a little bit about your birth oh, yeah. story? Oh, you mean mine in particular? Yeah. Are yeah. you willing Yeah, yeah, yeah. To? Okay. Yeah. Do you want – would yeah, you like absolutely. me to? Absolutely. <laughs> so I did hypnobirthing per Ellie, actually. I had been signed up for a Bradley Method class because I wanted an unmedicated natural childbirth, but in the hospital. And then my the teacher I'd signed up with moved, so I needed to find a new class. And coincidentally, we had dinner with Ellie and Adam – it turned out like the day before. Like, like like two days before I gave birth, which was two weeks early. So it was very yeah. – we thought we had time. We yeah. Didn't. We had Thai food at this table. Mm-hmm. And I was so pregnant and so tired that I just passed around the plastic bag for everyone to throw their trash in. Which I was, I was like, very supportive of. That's like how you have barbecues. Yeah. So that is, this is kind of how I host in general. I don't know why I'm, at, I'm blaming it on the fact that I was about to give play. <laughs> no. But Ellie had said that this, the hypnobirthing class would be great. So we signed up for it. So yeah, with Alicia Tambori, everyone can listen to that podcast yeah. we did with her. And it was it was great, and I used some of those tools. But th- th- very very long story short, um, very long, yeah, very was, very long. I was How induced long was it? fifty one hours, but I wasn't in active labor the whole time. But I I was induced because the baby had a heart rate deceleration during her non stress test or my non stress test. And in hypnobirthing, the partners are given these cards that say anytime an intervention is suggested, you're supposed to ask, "Is my partner's life in danger? Is the baby's life in danger?" So her heart rate decelerated. And our doctor was like, nah, I'm going to go have you see the perinatologist just to make sure. So we went over and they were like, you know, we saw it again. You should be induced. So my husband so dutifully said, is is Bridget's life in danger? And they said, no. And he said, is the baby's? And the doctor was like, well... Maybe, which is like not I mean, he's neither not, here nor there. Right, so you're like, well, we're gonna do this, <laughs> yeah, obviously. Right, yeah. And also, like, I for all of my aspirations, I'm like, I defer to doctors pretty quickly. So we, whatever the the induction failed is the point. But I really wanted uh, at least a vaginal birth. So we tried everything. Like there were two Foley balloons. There was Cervidal. Then you could only have 24 hours of pitocin. And yeah, I and you I were had, doing pitocin with no epidural at first but then I got a walking epidural because I was still like really hanging on (laughs) to some of my dreams and but then the walking epidural I really recommend if anyone's thinking about it and then I um ended up having a cesarean at the end of the end 51 hours yeah it was a long time it was a long time and so then you know the recovery is harder if you have like that long of a labor but it was I mean obviously all the cliche about it being worth it was True, but it was it was a long experience. And, and a walking epidural is an epidural that allows you to actually move around. Yes, and, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Your legs no are not, Neither did I. No one had told me about it. And why I don't had, they tell you? Why don't? Why isn't that just like the thing? I like, don't why know. Why would you ever choose because it not doesn't to do the cover all the pain? That's the language oh, they use. But right. I had in my chart not to ask me about pain, all the hypnobirthing stuff. Like, yeah. don't ask me and don't offer anything. So then a nurse pulled a fast one when they were switching shifts, like really so far into this. And she was like, so Bridget's not, Bridget's having a hypnobirth, like theoretically. Um, and so don't ask her about anything and don't offer anything like a walking epidural, which might be 
the option in this case. And I mean, I feel like it was very deliberate because then I was like, so what's that walking epidural? (laughs) (laughs) Which is like what they're they're warning you like is going to happen. I'm so glad that you got that. Me too. It was great. It really changed things. This is awesome. I want to hear about, because we talk a lot on this podcast about having the birth that mm-hmm. you have and being okay with sure, it yeah and was were you disappointed was there really yeah, yeah. There, I actually uh, when you guys did your birth trauma podcast I started and was like oh, I'm not ready to listen to this actually mm-hmm. um but or you know you know which mm-hmm. one I'm talking about yeah, right? this, yeah. yeah I um I was really disappointed and I but but I felt like a failure it really? wasn't yeah oh. it wasn't about I mean the baby was great and all of that was really like I mean, I then found a lot written about this, actually, sort of mm-hmm. the dichotomy between being excited and like, of course, everyone's healthy and that's the most important thing. Yeah. But this sense of loss for not having what I wanted. And there's a legacy, like my mother had two unmedicated births. My mother-in-law had wow. four children that way. So I really was like, I'm yeah, joining this proud tradition. And so I felt like I couldn't even give birth is how I felt oh, at the end oh. of the day, which sounds crazy. Yeah. I recognize I think that's so cool for people to hear, though, like that as a clinical psychologist. Well, you I'm still not licensed. Had, okay, I'm not whatever. licensed. You did all the work <laughs> I'm for an it. intern. You're, okay. But you went to school. How many years of school did you do Well, for I it? took a really long time because I went part-time at night, so it took three years. But some that's people can saying. do it much faster. I'm not faster. letting you diminish this, okay? <laughs> okay? Okay. So you have a master's in clinical psychology. And that you still have those feelings. Sure. And you know I, what I mean? Like I told can, my own therapist who was like, really? I had cesareans. And I was like, well... I'm glad you didn't feel like a failure. <laughs> it's like really <laughs> unsure of how to react because I mean, it's not a failure, obviously, no, and you're no. still giving birth. But I also was like really obsessed with the microbiome, the what's microbiome, like the bacteria oh, that yeah, you but pass I on. I had strep B, so okay, they had to give me an right. antibiotic There's anyway. Something. So Sabrina didn't get the <laughs> yeah. microbiome. Well, yeah, this led my doula to start emailing her doula network to say like what can we do about this because I had read you can swab your baby with what he or she oh doesn't gosh. get on the way out and my doctor because my, my water broke That's my my OB was like if your water breaks the baby gets it so it doesn't matter right. but oh really yeah but I my had a water lot broke of, before so she probably got it oh yeah yay. yeah I've read if you have a dog it doesn't matter because the dog just spreads the same microbiome all the way around. Oh, good. We've really? Got two. I don't know. You guys what should. Go- Any, anyone listening should Virginia. Google. I should not be trusted. <laughs> Tells everything. I'm just saying um, things. Oh uh, God. So give us, like, when you were recovering, and obviously it's a long recovery after a C-section. Anyway, let alone like a 52 hour, 51, 51, 51 hours. But of start labor. to finish. That wasn't okay. all active. And I got to see you in your little hospital room. You did. You brought us sweet. lots of treats. Um, you had a lot of treats there. You were well. We were taken there for so of. long, though. <laughs> we were there for like five <laughs> days after. Camp. Yeah, yeah. So they offered us a refrigerator. Really? Oh. <laughs> that was a small room too. I, I think it was like the was one next door to where I had. Um, anyway, when you got home and were able to start to process it, mm-hmm. what can you give our listeners? Like one thing that helped you sort of reconcile with the experience? I think finding. Other, this is when the internet doesn't fail you. I, finding other accounts of similar experiences really helped right. because it felt less isolated. Because the, the, 
I felt, I mean, shame, I think is really sort of how I felt. And then I felt, and this is obviously not helpful, but then I felt ashamed for feeling ashamed. Of course. <laughs> this oh, yeah. is classic therapy yes. stuff. Um, so I think I found, and I'll, I'll send it to you so it can, you can have it. But this essay a woman wrote about explaining her feelings to people who would say, but you're healthy and the baby's healthy and it turned out well and how that didn't diminish this sense of of loss or disappointment as this separate thing. And that was really helpful and sharing it with my husband was really helpful because he'd been incredibly supportive, but I felt like, you know, I was overreacting. So it was nice to be able to share that, like that my, I I had to contain my sadness about that piece. Right. You know, and he didn't give me that message. It just felt like, like, look, we're all great. And yet I have this feeling. And meanwhile, people are coming up to, like I, when Sabrina was born or you just, whenever there's a new mother, like everyone puts all this stuff onto you. Like, isn't yeah. it the best thing ever? Yeah. Like, aren't you so excited? And like, there's all these expectations mm-hmm. of how we should be feeling yes. about it. And then to have anything that's not congruent with those expectations feels, it's just so tricky. Yeah. I, I remember another mom being like, isn't it the best thing ever? And it was just like a bad day for me. Yeah. And then it'd be like, like, well, it's complicated, yeah. actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's complicated. It was, I, we, my father was ill and he's recovered, but at the time, so we had a double whammy that right then, which yeah. in some ways was liberating because I feel like we got taken extra good care of because everybody, and everybody knew I'd had this really long, like our neighbors emailed and said, you have all these packages and you're gone. Are you at the hospital? And we said, yes. And then when we were still there and still there and still there, they, they, we didn't like keep them really closely updated, but it was wonderful because then when we got home, we had like extra welcome wagon, not just Mm -hmm. the family in town, but our neighbors with whom until that point we weren't very close. How hard was the recovery from the actual C-section? Well, okay, so back to what you share with people. This is like, Mm -hmm. I'm really hesitant. I'm really careful about talking about it because I had, because it was so long and I'd had a lot of Pitocin, I was really sore. It was a harder recovery, I was told, by my Mm -hmm. doctor and the nurses there because of such a long labor. Right. So, which when a friend heard was like, okay, so if it looks like I might have to get one, I'm going to get one right away. And I was like, oh, no, everyone's like, your mileage may vary. It doesn't, it's not always that case. And then I had... um, Mileage may vary. (laughs) Yeah, well, and then I had a seroma, which don't Google. It's, it's, It's like a collection of blood behind a scar. Right. So... And it drained. Now the way they treat it is you just change your bandages. But I had to go to the doctor every day for seven days after I got the staples out. And you can't drive. No, and I you can't drive. For Did you five sit downstairs? Weeks. Did you go up your stairs? No, I could go up and down the stairs if I didn't hold the baby. And they asked me to try to only do it once or twice a day. So it was like oh. I had like this big convalescence, and then because of the seroma, they told me to add on two weeks to the recovery. So now. It wasn't thinking back. I'm like, eh, it was like a rough seven weeks at the time. It felt like really awful. Yeah. But oh, because your everything feels so. I mean, even if you don't have the the you know journey that you went went through, it's like I feel like at that time you're just so sensitive to everything. Oh, so yeah. Your whole Do you remember like how much peeing hurts. 
But, yeah. Also, you. I mean, I cr- I cried a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm well, just torn. I was torn high on Percocet, but <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> you feel great. I mean, that part. That was. Well, I really didn't want that. I was like, this feels. I didn't take Tylenol for forty weeks, and now exactly. you're like, the Percocet's fine. I know. Isn't that weird? Like, I did mm. the natural birth, and then I'm like, Percocet, bring it on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I but, feel like everyone. But I had a lot of stitches, so. Yeah, I'm glad I went. Oh yeah, well that's yeah. I mean, but also I think like it's so crazy to me because the experience of birth is so different for every Mm -hmm. single person, and I feel like I have yet to hear a story that is anywhere similar Mm -hmm. to anyone else's. Every time I talk to somebody about it, it's wow, you did this, you did this, you did this. And but what I what I find so interesting is we all have our moments of challenge. And some people have it right at the birth. Some people go through an extraordinary, you know, time or having something happen different than what they wanted to happen. Some people go through it right after the birth. I Mm -hmm. have a girlfriend who had a mental breakdown during those first couple months because she was like, I just don't get this. And it doesn't make sense to me. I had it like at six or seven months. It hit me. And and I it's so funny because I remember I'm going to be really honest right here and just say I felt very superior for the first <laughs> couple months of mm. my time with my daughter because everything felt yeah, so sure. easy. And I was like, what's everyone complaining about? Like, this is simple. I got this down. Mm-hmm. And then I think it was right around four months when she started to need more attention. Yeah. More care. And so they I, wake up. And they yeah. wake up. I tell everyone, I'm like, watch a lot of television <laughs> at the beginning. Because I, 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 I felt like we needed to be watching her, reading to her. I'm like, you don't. No. They just <laughs> they so sleep. And only they, do yeah. the first time again. Next yeah. time I'll have to be juggling the first one still. Exactly. So you, won't you never get it, it again. Yeah. I know. And I, and I had to eat a lot of crow at that moment. Because yeah. I was yeah. like, this is, here it goes. This is my heart. And it's yeah. it's kind of like what we've talked about in other podcasts where it's very reflective of who you are as a person. And whatever you're whatever your lesson or your challenge needs Mm -hmm. to be Mm -hmm. is very tailored for you. And I think that like, I, it really helped me to be a lot more open and compassionate to everyone having their, their very own experience because we we all get it. It's just at different times. Can we talk a moment about mama intuition? Sure. Since we're, Bridget, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Let's go there. See, this is funny think- for me to interview a close friend who yeah, I have like you also because, and I want to apologize to every listener, like all the laughing I've done throughout this podcast. But honestly, no one makes me laugh more than Bridget. Isn't that nice? That's so um, nice. Okay. Uh, so, Mama Intuition, we're not going to be laughing here. But- no, no, no. I mean, well, it's not that bad. Ellie's talking about. So, my <laughs> daughter was rolled on time okay so when she was really little you know everyone has the reflex to kind of put their feet down but then around four months she would pick her legs up when you went to put her down like on your lap or a table and the it was very funny because also she'd like go into pike like to her legs straight out but weird and our several doctors were like eh, some kids don't like bearing weight so that was that but then I felt like it was more than that. I think that's what Ellie's talking about. But it's really hard when they're so little because there's such a wide range of development. And um, I was really trying to be a wry parent, resources and infant education, (laughs) and like child directed. And I'd like watch really encouraging videos about how every baby learns to move uh, at his or her 
Pace. I love it. And I would always think, because Bridget would bring this up with me, so I was always thinking, like, don't hover, Ellie. Don't hover. Yeah. <laughs> I had never even learned the concept of hovering until Bridget was like, don't hover. Well, yeah, well, I hover a lot now. Um, but, well. but so eventually, like, at six months, I started to really sort of get, like, something's weird. Like, she's rolling. But all the other babies in music class are, like, really going for those tambourines, and she's just kind of not. I mean, she wants it, but she's not moving towards it. So... At nine months, um, my pediatrician was like, I think she's fine because she's meeting every other milestone. And our daughter's really with it, if I may. Like she's <laughs> she's she has a lot of words now, but like she's always been very engaged. So mm-hmm. um, it didn't seem like anything drastic was wrong. But we got her assessed and basically she has a gross motor delay. But it's not it seems to be just a benign congenital muscle weakness or she's a little squishy as one of the physical therapists said so we do physical therapy now but ellie and i talked about or have discussed off the air um how i sort of sensed that something was going on before it was really diagnosable yeah but yeah i feel like those moments can happen in in like a a big um issue like that or they can happen in very small pieces where like i've just had moments with magnolia where we're in the room together and I'm doing something and she's in her little pack and play or whatever mm-hmm. and there's like this weird silence yeah. and you're just like, you just turn <laughs> because moment. you know yeah. and she's sure enough got something in her mouth that she shouldn't have yeah. or whatever. But I also had, I was like, it's weird. Her head is always oh, yeah. to the left and everyone's like, oh no, it's probably not a big deal and then went to the doctor and it was really weird because it was kind of near the end of the session they or the appointment. They hadn't even said anything and I said, do you notice that her head is always kind of to the left? And they're like, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Why don't we have a, a therapist come and check this out? We had someone come and she was like, oh, yeah, she has torticollis, which is she had just been in one position in so utero, long yeah. in utero that she wow. um, and, and what was great about it was because I she said, you know, people don't usually catch it this early. And we caught it at three weeks, whereas she said most people don't see it until around three months. And it's so much harder to, yeah. to deal with later on. I've also heard it's great because you get a jump start. Did you, you guys did physical therapy? Oh, yeah, we yeah. did until she was a year. Yeah. And then I've read or I've heard anecdotally, I should say, that then those kids generally are a little ahead of the curve with other motor skills because yeah. of the PT when they're so little. Yeah. Yeah, because they get a lot of um, hands-on. Yeah. And, and and also, I feel like just as a parent, you know more then. You're it's true. you got someone telling yeah. you, oh, look, this is very advanced or this is a little behind or it just makes you feel better. Yeah. I think. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's tough because I feel like we freak out about everything in the beginning. You're like, what? Mm. You know, oh, yeah. Every noise. It's hard to know. Reason, yeah. You know. Everybody does the same story with this one, which is they're like, oh, my niece didn't walk till she was 16 months. Everyone has this story. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. And it's like, and now she's a varsity a athlete. And yeah. I'm like, that's wonderful. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, right. This right. has nothing to do with me. And and I get people are just being encouraging. Yeah. Or then everybody but says, like, about? but she's, she has so that? many words. Or why do we, we do that? To because people? we don't want to say, I think. Because you don't, because people. No, I, like, why do people, we don't want to say. I mean, like, why do we do that to Bridget? Or, like, you know, like that, ha- it happens with grief. It happens with yeah. people. No, because you have a family I, member with cancer, everyone wants to tell you about their story. You have someone die in your family, everyone wants to tell you theirs. Like, yeah. is it about relating or is it, what is it? I, I, I honestly think that it's because people don't know what to say. Yeah. And so they yeah. try to find something that connects. Yeah. So it's like, if I, right. if I tell you something that in some way is connected to your story, then there is, then there's connection yeah. between us. Yeah. And, you know, and I, and I think, cause, 
Just like, me, too, to me, too. <laughs> me too, me too. Yeah. Me too, me too. And also, oh, and also, I love it. That should be the tagline of the podcast. <laughs> me too, me too. <laughs> this is so much fun, and I, I like. I always feel like we we need to start doing two hour podcasts. I know. It was so great having you, Bridget. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. In okay. your beautiful, whimsical, traditional, eclectic home <laughs> from the nineteen forties. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, listeners, everyone out there in the world. Um, please get on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes. Like commenting on iTunes is super important um, and it helps us with our ranking. So we appreciate that help. Uh, we have a mom session and a mom bomb to give you before we leave. My mom session is The Very Hungry Caterpillar Stacking Slash Nesting Blocks by Kids Preferred. My sister-in-law, Natalie, gave them to Sabrina a long time ago, and Sabrina recently rediscovered them, and she loves stacking these blocks. It's like her ritual before bedtime. She gets super OCD about it. It's <laughs> really great. And what's cool is it has numbers on it and colors on it. So it's like they're learning blocks, but they're also nesting. But Sabrina likes to make them into a tower. Such a little smarty. I can't believe how big she's getting. Um, Mom bomb. I just – I saw this the other night, and it just – made me laugh because I for some reason it made me feel very powerful <laughs> so my mom bomb is the most dangerous animal in the world is a silent smiling woman <laughs> wait say that again I want it to really sink in the most dangerous animal in the world is a silent smiling woman all you men out there beware <laughs> we're smiling right now <laughs> all right you guys Trust in your goodness. Live out your greatness. And rock on Atomic, Atomic Moms. Moms. If you like listening to comedy, try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleichinger, slicing I've been friends with her for 10 years one of the funniest people out there and I still have a hard time with the last name Liza our very own Owen Benjamin that's me takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more you don't have to wait any longer just go to youtube.com slash wait for it comedy there's no need to wait for it anymore because it's here and it's funny and I love you A few days ago, Brooke Tudine posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and three comments. Thumbs up, Brooke. Geico also wants to make a comment. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance by switching to Geico. And nothing says inspiration better than saving money. Well, except for those posters that say things like teamwork, excellence, and make it happen. Hashtag keep climbing. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.